uh, I'm here with Aristotle Athyrus, right? Athyrus. Athyrus. We go, how far back do we go? I think I met you back in 2006 or seven, maybe. Wow. It's a long time ago. Long time ago. Ten years ago. Uh, Every time we have a discussion, it's long, it's deep, Uh it's profound. And... And those are the only kind of discussions I want to have. I yeah, have yeah. zero interest in in small talk, but uh, but I'm I'm fascinated by <clears throat> because what we were talking about before the podcast started is there's so many people in our lives where we think we know what's going on in their life, mm-hmm. and and when me you and I last talked, you know I didn't know what you, everything that you were going through with your mom. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but I'm sure you uh, have other things that you're going through that uh, that. I mean, I'm still going through some stuff with my mom. She's in the hospital now. Yeah. Yeah. Last night, you when I asked you to do the podcast, you responded. You're like, uh, it's good timing. Yeah, it's interesting timing. Yeah. yeah how so? Well, my mom right now, she's in a she's in the mental ward. OK. Um, so she's supposed to be discharged this Monday, but th- I think they're transferring her to another uh like a longer term facility for a little bit mental ward what what, what? <clears throat> she started having hallucinations mm-hmm. um jesus like what was she saying uh well first she started mumbling gibberish and so the initial thought was she had a stroke which they think she may have still had a, like a small stroke but then when she started coming to and was a little bit more i guess lucid or 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 the things that she was she was saying was a little bit more uh, understandable. She she was saying things over and over again, like repeating them, and then. But at that at that time, we were we were all kind of at least me and my uncle. That's the only family that's here is my my uncle, her brother, and then myself. And he has his own life and his kids, so it's like pretty much just me and her. Um, but uh, when she she we were just kind of happy that she was saying things like words that were like understandable um anyway so uh but then she started hallucinating she 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 had like uh the first thing that she said that she saw was people in the hospital like taking me upstairs and then like beating me up and then she said that uh she said that all the nurses had like naked photos of me as a child that they were all trying to kill me and not to come to the hospital because I would talk to her over the phone. So it was kind of crazy. So they, they, uh, the, the, the hospitalist, the doctor had recommended that she go to a, like a mental facility for like a two week evaluation. So she's been there and she'll be, she'll be done on Monday. But the, the new doctor recommendation is that she goes to a, uh, just a longer term rehab for like another couple weeks, maybe. How old is your mom? She is 67. So young. Yeah, she's not old. Young, uh, in great shape otherwise, good shape physically. No, oh. she's paralyzed. I don't know if you knew that. No. Yeah. So been, how long has she been paralyzed? <coughs> she's been paralyzed since I was a teenager, really. Uh, you know, mid to late teens, something like that. She she was diagnosed with MS when I was in fifth grade, and then not too long after that she ended up in a 
wheelchair. Uh, and uh, what about your father? I mean, he's not around. It uh, it never been around, or left when you were young. Uh, my dad, he he pretty much he, he had to go. He left. He had to go. My dad was in jail. My dad went to jail. Got you. When I was when I was. And when I was about nine, he went to jail, and I didn't see him again until he's like, until I was about a teenager. So I don't really talk about this stuff very much, but I am. I mean, it's for your podcast, so there you go. Uh, I, well, I, I hope it's for you also. Uh-huh. You know, right? Um, I'm. Um, I, I definitely don't want you to share anything that, um, could you know? I'm, I'm not. I, that you're not prepared to share. Sure, sure. Right, right. That's 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 important too. I want you to uh, feel comfortable with that. Yeah, he's been out of the picture for a while since I was a kid. So, you know, that's um, it's it's fascinating, right? Like there are people who we talk about dads who uh, are absentee fathers. Yeah. Right. Um, they military not well that wouldn't make him absentee but the father who just decides to leave right then there's a father who um is has to go as well he was he was absentee anyways okay even before that right he just wasn't a very good dad he was never around so did you feel like you had to become a father then at that like uh, if you had to play these multiple roles Mm -hmm. that there was not another man in the house no there wasn't i mean it was really hard to kind of I mean, it, it affected a lot of my uh, development as an adult. And I didn't really kind of see a lot of that stuff until later. And then I, and I realized, oh, this, I wouldn't be the way that I am had I had, you know, like a father. Well, what do you mean the way that you are? Like certain aspects of my personality. I mean, I'm not really like this anymore. But back in the day, like, uh, I was always kind of overly sensitive uh, when it came to, like, uh being in, rela- in relationships with girls, I kind of would go a little too hard too fast. You know, uh, I just didn't really have that. I basically would like, you know, I, all I had was this this uh, a, f- a female figure that was an adult in my life that kind of played both parents a little bit, but she worked a lot too. So I was alone a lot, you know. I think I, it's it's amazing how much TV and like movies have influenced what I think I should be, you know, because that's all I ever did was watch television and watch movies. Yeah, same for me, man. Cosby Show, yeah. uh, even uh, like movies like Shaft, and like yeah. what a what a not only what a man should be, but like what a black man, sure. what's a what's a tough black man, you know. And Bill Cosby was one that was kind of like the biggest heartbreak for me for when he, you know, when all that shit happened and you know all that stuff came out was uh was I did in a weird way see him as like a father figure to me cuz that I watched him so much growing up you know uh there's also this this video like I draw a lot but like one of the first he had this had a draw video that my mom or my mom's friend had bought me cuz I was always drawing and <coughs> drawing already and so they so something for me to do so I just remember like watching that video over and over again and watching him teach me how to draw, teach me how to draw Fat Albert, you know. It was an old video, but it was just really, uh, you know, I mean, it's terrible what he did, but, 
you know, just kind of, it still broke my heart, you know? He raised so many he did. young men. Yeah, he did. Young boys. <coughs> I don't think a lot of people understand that. Yeah, he did, for sure. And Because there's so many black men, uh, and I don't know what your father uh, went to jail for, um, but there's so many fathers in jail, especially black men mm-hmm. in jail for drugs. Yeah. And, you know... Weed, two ounces of weed, the whole three strikes you're out kind of thing, yeah. really wiped out a lot of black fathers. And I knew a guy who went away for jail for life. For what? For weed. For weed. Yeah. How much weed? Uh, he, I, I mean, he was selling it, but I mean, <laughs> this was this was back in like this was back in early two thousands. And 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 he and I remember him talking for about life. it. Life. I remember him talking about it where he was just kind of. Uh, shocked and he thought it was the funniest thing in the world he's like i'm going away for life for weed wow the 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 three strikes thing was so grossly abused in california because it was originally designed for violent crimes right so if you had if you if you had a strike if you started out your you know your your status as as a as a an offender let's say you got into a fist fight with somebody and they were somehow prosecution was somehow able to enhance that into a felony charge and it stuck. And if you were a black man in LA in the late nineties, early, I mean, even before the 90, late nineties, but in the late nineties, early two thousands, you would get railroaded all the fucking time, all the time. And so I went to Hollywood high. So I, I know a lot of, well, I have a lot of friends that are just not here anymore. Right. You know, a friend of mine who I just recently connected again because of social media, uh, I was able to reconnect with and he had to get out of LA. He came back, but he had to get out of LA cause he knew that it was just a revolving door. You know, they were just waiting to catch you. Just waiting. Yeah. Just, they yeah. Just yeah. Strike happy. So, well, the thing was, so after, so after you get that one strike for whatever it may be, if it was a violent crime, it always has to be for a violent crime. Then no matter what you do after that, they can add the strike enhancement. Oh, so the first strike had to be a violent crime. Yeah. I didn't know that. And then they could just anything. strike you up for anything. They strike they struck a guy out for stealing pizza from a from a con- convenience I've store. I've heard those stories, man. You know. But it's real, you know, and it's like uh it, it was just it was so grossly abused and so much of it came from the need for uh you know, a lot of these people were trying to run for office or they were trying to, you know, it's it's like it's like amping up your record. I have this many convictions absolutely you know what i mean and so it's and it doesn't matter the it's like saying uh it was it was all steroids it was like legal steroids or something Mm. like that you know does that make courtroom steroids they're not real muscles these are muscles that you have fabricated these are not real convictions these aren't people that really deserve to go to jail for life but you put them there you know well it's almost like a guy who like brags about how many women he's been with and then you find out they're all prostitutes Prostitutes. exactly there you go that's that's you know when I watch Law and Order you know that that's the thing they always brag about it's like oh yeah that guy has fifty eight convictions uh-huh. or he has two hundred convictions yeah you know and and nobody asks how like what what's the substance of them right 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 and uh, uh, the quality of that the you know so you, you grew up without your father yeah having to raise your mom I mean yeah to a certain degree but, right to a certain degree you're, she's in a wheelchair. When I was a teenager, you know, like I was still kind of a teenager, man. It was hard for me to not be, not have those teenage needs, you know. So I wasn't really like, 
I wasn't taking care of my mom all the time as a teenager. You know, I did as much as I could. In fact, I tried to get away with doing as little as I could. Right. You know, I mean, she still had some ability to take care of and do some stuff, but it wasn't really until like college where it was like, oh, this is like, you definitely need help now. And I kind of, you know, it's, it was half guilt and half like, I just didn't have anybody to help me. And then. Guilt? Yeah. Yeah, guilt. Over uh, like you feel like you should have done more. No, it's just like you know, I was a really, I was, I was not an easy kid to raise. You know, like I got in trouble a lot. I was not really, I was never really like a, a well-behaved student. You know, I, 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 I've had run-ins with the law. You know, as a youngster, you know, it was not. So I felt like, in a weird way, sometimes that I caused it, or I was like an element or, or like I was one of the reasons why she ended up the way she ended up. And so I, I felt guilty and, you know, like some family members would make me feel guilty about it. Like you should take care of your mom. You know, she's been through a lot raising you. And that's, and it's not, that's not something unusual that somebody would hear. But I, to me, I just kind of was like, all right. And, and was there somebody taking care of you emotionally? Like, was there someone checking in on you? Was there, were no. there services? What was there? No. Was no. At school, the church, family? No, I never went really to church. I don't know, like, therapy and all that stuff very very much always seemed like a very privileged kind of thing that you get, you know? Something that, you know, like, uh, I had, I had, I had this, uh, friend of mine, you know, you know, this, uh, his, mom was a lawyer i think his dad was like a lawyer too or some shit and he was going to therapy like every other week and i was like what do you do in therapy <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's so weird to me and i was like why are you going to therapy like something really bad happened he goes oh that was his he was that was his stepdad too he goes well you know my parents divorced and i'm like okay and then when I'm like what 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 happened to put you in therapy he goes yeah the, the divorce and i'm just like that's really like though that's the reason you go in therapy. I mean, I couldn't really understand what I did do therapy for other reasons, you know, like when I had gotten in trouble as a kid, like uh it was always required that I went through like they always do that shit. Like c- certain hours of anger management or certain hours of like therapy or like, you know, community service and all that shit. And so I had done therapy because of those things as a teenager, but they weren't really I didn't want to be there. So I don't think I ever really reaped the ven- benefits. I only reaped the benefits of therapy like really one time in my life. I was remember. It, was that later on? Later on, yeah. I was in my late 20s. I'd gone through a breakup and I just knew that I didn't want to go through this breakup alone again. Mm. Or a breakup. Like right. the, you know, right. like like I had gone through before. And so I uh, I decided to like seek out therapy. I, I want to put a pin in that. Yeah. I want to go back a little bit. Um, when you the therapy you went to as a kid for anger management and these yeah, different yeah. things, what do you think would have been better for you? Like, what did you need? Like, if you, if, if anger management wasn't the thing, and uh, you know these other modalities didn't serve you. What would I have needed? I mean, I mean, besides, of course, like your dad or like a good nurturing household, what what could have supplemented? 
Oh, man, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I guess some kind of male figure in my life. Um, I don't know. I don't necessarily know if it had to been <clears throat> had to have been male or female, but. Well, that make you know my father was in and out of my life, and yeah. I found looking back, I've always latched on to uh, and sought out like male role models, mm-hmm. whether it was my teacher, my coach. Yeah, uh, no, I did too, and yeah. I and I didn't realize I was doing it until yep. until way later. I was like, oh yeah, like why did I gravitate to this person so much? And it was because he he clearly had a very Fatherly, like fatherly kind of thing is like, why do I want to make this person proud of me? Who's, yeah. like, who's essentially like this perfect stranger. I couldn't understand that. And then I finally realized I, I'm I literally like one of the, I think I, I had a job at a bike shop here in LA called Bikeology. I was a teenager. Yeah. And the guy who owned the place was just like this older guy. He was an older guy and he was, a, he was not the nicest guy, not the warmest guy. Uh, I, I honestly, I, I could, I could be on, like, I could truly say that I don't think he cared if I came into work at all. <laughs> but for some reason, I was like trying to make this guy proud. I'm like, why do I give a shit about what this guy thinks about me? But he had this very fatherly kind of, you know, he had a desk and he would like write, and you have to knock on the door, come in. Yeah, you know I mean? <laughs> right. it just felt very fatherly. <laughs> Actually, another bike shop too. Before that, this guy who owned the place. Was it to- I could I could openly say he was a total dick, um, and he, he I think he was actually racist too. But I wanted him to like me too. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I was the same way, man. Every <laughs> all right, there's this, I had a professor in college, Doctor Monier. Yeah, and uh, hated your guts. And actually, you know, actually it was it was kind of the opposite where he uh, took me under his wing. And I never understood why early on, um, but not like this like fatherly nurturing way. Yeah. But he uh, allowed me to do things um, with testing that I sh- I should not have been doing until I, like, I was a grad student or a uh-huh. PhD student and stuff. And um, um, but I found out later he had a son, and Dr. Meunier was this you know with the glasses, the beard. He always he never talked from the book. You always had to you had to you had to listen to every word he said because uh, he was that kind of te- like everything was in his head, it, but the the class was like we were riveted by him, you know. And uh, I found out later he had a son who uh, was gay, uh, and I to him represented the son that he wanted. Oh, that's so funny! And I was like, and he shared that. It was a brief moment where he shared that, and then. Um, and then I remember, like, I was like, oh, I found my father figure. And yeah, then I yeah. called him with some stuff, and he was like, uh, all right. And then, like, bye. And I was like, and then I was like, oh, yeah, I, I made it. I made it more than it was. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, he, maybe he hears this and be like, oh, man, that guy was weird. Yeah. But but even at 43, I'm, I, I find myself still looking for like a mentor or fa- uh-huh. like, I, like there, I, I still feel that, you know, um, I don't think that ever goes away. And, and, you know, I don't know if I feel that anymore. Really? I'm trying to think, do I, 
Well, I, I do it like through podcasts and books, and it's like uh-huh. you you know it's like like the Tim Ferriss like oh what is Tim like right, right. Not, they're not as old anymore there's right. not as much of an age difference but I definitely am like oh how do you what do you do how you know how do right, you right. work out that kind of thing I definitely am never ashamed to to um I don't want to say ask for help but I'm never ashamed to be like hey let me learn I'm never ashamed to learn I never think that I'm too I'm beyond learning something new. So, like, sometimes I'll talk to, like, even, uh, you know, like, I I've, I went on the road a couple of times. I went on the road with Ian, and I went on the road with Bobby. Ian Edwards, Ian amazing, Edwards, comic, yeah. and Bobby Lee. Bobby Lee. Yep. And I just wanted to learn. I could care less about the money. And it, and and I don't think that they, I don't know, I don't know if they believed me. I know I know Ian did, but for me, it's like, I don't, I'm never really too, I'm not, I'm never I'm never too uh, proud to learn something new, so maybe that maybe there's a fatherly. I don't know. I just don't. I don't see that. And I think maybe my point was I think that that need of finding that father figure has transformed into maybe that thing. That you know what, and that's that's really insightful because that's exactly what it is. Like I'm constantly yeah. wanting, and it's almost to a detriment the amount that I want to learn so much uh-huh. because then I'm not doing as much i'm so consumed with yeah uh i was just i'm reading this book now called the creative curve uh-huh. and they were talking about when charles darwin uh came up with the theory of uh survival of the fittest or whatever right, it was. Right. um there was another scientist who at the exact same time thought of the same thing okay a- another researcher right and the difference was is that Charles Darwin, once he came upon that, uh, published it immediately. He wrote a book, blah, blah, blah. The other guy continued researching other oh, uh, interesting. ideas. And it wasn't until three years later that he then decided to publish everything. But by then, Charles was three years ahead, was the, the face of survival of the fittest and all wow. that. And so the other guy was like, everybody was like, what do you, yeah, we are, we're already there. Like we don't, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, you're still, it was like, you're stealing from Charles Darwin, blah, blah, blah. And plus they didn't like the other guy cause he was a feminist. He was ahead of his time, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. So, um, but, but yeah, so it's, it's that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I'm, I'm that other guy where, because I've had jokes that I'm like, this is so original and so insightful. Right, right. And then I'll see other comics do it and not. And I know they haven't stolen a joke. It's just that I've been sitting on it for, for so, so long. long. I've allowed other people to catch up to the idea of it, you know? I've got these tapes and these old DVDs that I haven't watched. And I keep saying, I'm going to write this new material once I watch these old tapes. And I don't know what that is. I think I think there's, I, th- I don't know. It's for me. I, I for me, it's like a. I think part of when you don't have a father around, um, there's there's not there's no one to validate you. There's no one, because you're, you're taking care of your mom. You don't have a father figure around, and because I we grew up similar. Like my mom, I mean, she she wasn't in a wheelchair. She's able, by, but my father wasn't around, so. Yeah. I felt the need to be the man of the house. Mm-hmm. And so I had to take, I felt like I had to take care of mom, take care of my sister. Uh, and then I was, and then I was last, you right. know? Um, but then what happens is, is that you become uh, 
so quote unquote independent that people think you don't need anything, right? So you never ever receive validation for what you're doing, and then you're only validated for from what you do for other people, and never for what you do for yourself. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think that's so. Now we're in a position where we have all this stuff, and we're like, is this good enough? We don't we don't know what our good enough is. Right. Right. Until somebody tells us. And um and you know, that's a hard thing to do to learn how to validate yourself and your work. And mm-hmm. but you've done that, man. Like you you you're doing some great things. You got a show that you uh, I mean, I don't know, this this town is like you have <laughs> you, there's never there's never a time that you're gonna be like, I've done it and yeah, I can relax and just kinda <laughs> take a nap. There's no naps. There's no naps in this business. It's uh, just constantly leapfrogging from one thing to the other. I mean, yeah, there, there, there's a couple of things in the hopper. There's like three things that I'm excited about. But I mean, you know, one of them being the goat face thing. Uh, but, you know, it's just uh, I, I've had enough <clears throat> friends in the industry where they had a lot and then had nothing. Right. To know that those peaks and valleys are very real. Yeah. And that you cannot you cannot uh, depend on being on this high all the time. Right. You know, uh, we've seen some of the biggest giants fall. We have. Um, so I don't take that for granted. And so for me, I'm trying to be very. Uh, I don't know. I, I have I have I have a healthy amount, maybe a little bit more than healthy, amount of paranoia. And, you know, I don't know what the word would be, but humility or mm, I don't know if it's humility, just oh. the idea of that. I don't I need to keep working. Gotcha. It's, it's not going to just c- start coming to me. Anxiety, maybe, maybe okay. a little anxiety. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, if 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 I had a, if I had friends in the industry who, you know, once they hit their success, they stayed up there forever. They'd be like, yeah, I, I just hit my thing and I'm done. But this is not the case. They all come down and up and down and up. And some of them stay down because they don't want to work back up, you know. Um, I want to come back to the therapy in yeah. your 20s. Uh, but I, I do want to shout out your... <coughs> th- are now, the, the videos, the goat face videos, are yeah, those yeah. still on YouTube? The old ones? Yeah, yeah, they're still there, yeah. So for the listeners out there, I mean, can you talk a little bit about what that is? Because goat face? when I saw the goat face, I mean, I watched all, all the videos you guys put up. Mm-hmm. The sketches, they're, they're a bunch of sketches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So funny. The acting's great. It's very powerful. Uh, I'm not saying that just because you're on here. I think I even reached out to you guys. Oh, like, thanks. Yeah, this yeah. is dope, man. I can't wait. And, you know, uh, but can you talk a little bit about that and then what inspired that? And, and uh, you know, like I think uh, I mean I was doing stand-up comedy when I I think when I first met you, I disappeared for a little bit, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So what happened was, you know, I was doing stand-up comedy. I think I was doing pretty well. Um, I was moving ahead at a pretty decent pace. And then, um, <clears throat> you know, I had to finish college. My mom moved out here. And then uh, I started taking care of her. And I kind of let myself go. I got, I got, like, really overweight. And, like, uh, I couldn't. It was that, I was that last couple years of college. Even though I was able to kind of get back in shape again briefly. And then I kept going back and forth a little bit. Uh, the... Uh, I just I was at a stand up for so long. I just it had a, I had a hard time getting back in, you know. Like I always kind of my analogy for stand up, especially your progress in stand up, is kind of like when you start out, you're on this big snowy mountain, right? 
and you you're like this little snowball and you and when you start doing stand up you start rolling that snowball down the mountain and then as it's going down it starts gathering snow and other particles and other things and starts becoming bigger and bigger and bigger but if you stop the sun will beat down and melt that down to back mm-hmm. to where it was and you have to take it back up to the, to the top of the mountain and let it roll wow. again and so for me that's what i felt like i felt like i was taking my little snowball i had to put it right back at the top of the mountain start all over again and it was hard it was very difficult um and uh i had met fahim at a stand-up show I thought it was really funny. He had made a couple sketches on his YouTube channel, and I watched. I was like, "Oh, I really." And I had, and I, I had already started making sketches with this other group of people that I that I still think are very talented and great. But this didn't. Just, our, our our artistic sensibilities were just not there. Um, and so I don't know. We just started making sketches together, and we wanted to make the group bigger because. A lot of the auditions that a lot of us would go out on were very pigeonholed into like, you know, you're playing this very brown type character. You know what I mean? We weren't really going out for any like lead things or any of the, th- any of the parts that we really wanted to play. So we kind of just felt like... Brown, what's your ethnicity? I'm mixed. So I'm, I'm Turkish, uh, Persian, Greek. Uh, actually, and I just found out some Chinese. I was you a 23andMe ancestry? No, I did uh, FamilyTreeDNA.org. Right on. And there's Polish in there, too, which <laughs> I had no idea. The Chinese and Polish uh, just kind of took me out. So you and a bunch of other brown. <laughs> yeah, we just wanted to kind of do our own thing. Like, we we grew up, like, In Living Color was a huge show. In fact, Fox was a huge network at that time. Yeah, now that I think about it, it was massive. Yeah, it was massive. Fox was the only network that was really putting a lot of stock and money into... Uh, uh, black entertainment outside of BET, right? So you had like shows like In Living Color. Then you also had like Rock, which was that old. Uh, oh, I don't know if you remember Rock. Yeah. With uh, with um, Charles S. Dutton, yes. one of my favorite actors. Amazing. In fact, if you ever want an inspirational quote, if you ever want a, like a real inspirational quote, he has a he has one of the best lines, one of the most inspirational lines in a movie ever. And people are gonna think, oh, Rudy. It's not Rudy. It's Alien Three. <laughs> I might pull it up for you. What is it? Oh, let me pull it up. Can I okay. pull it up? Yeah, absolutely. Man, it's yeah. it's one of the most brilliant lines. Charles S. Dutton. Alien 3, so random. Not not even a first alien. No, it was the only alien he was in was part three. That's hilarious. Charles S. Dutton, Alien 3. I remember when I saw this as a kid, and that line made me tire up. Oh, sorry, made me tear up. Sorry, tired. I'm tired right now. Uh, the I ain't much for begging. Yeah, here, let me, I'm gonna play it real quick. Yeah. Oh, fuck. You're all gonna die. The only question is how you check out. Do you want it on your feet? Or on your fucking knees? Begging. I ain't much for begging. Nobody ever gave me nothing. So I say, fuck that thing. Let's fight it. I mean, isn't that brilliant? (laughs) (laughs) You're going to die. Let's fight it. No, just just the part where he goes, he says, we're all going to die. You know, it all depends on how you're going to, we're all going to die. It all depends on how you're going to check out. Do you want it on your knees or do you want it on your feet? I had never been one for begging. 
that to me was huge because I'm not going to be on my knees begging for anything, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, that to me was, that was, that was really strong. When, when was there a moment in your, your life, your career where <laughs> you were that, were that quote? By the way, I've been waiting to sh share this quote. <laughs> I've been waiting to share this clip with somebody some point in my life, I tried showing it to my girlfriend. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that? Alien 3? Okay, she's listening. She's like, okay, so he, what is it? Because he says he wants to fight. I'm like, no, babe, listen. <laughs> All right, what was I know. There's nothing worse than when you share something that is so, weighs so much in your life, so powerful to you. And then other people are just like, yeah, whatever. And then you're like, no, but. Yeah, yeah, I know. No. Uh, it's almost like uh, Wu-Tang Clan uh, Obamatomically. Socrates philosophies uh -huh. like I'm like if if you're not wowed by the the use of metaphors and analogies and yeah, wordplay yeah. I can't what, what are we even doing why yeah, are we yeah, even yeah. having the conversation <laughs> why am I friends with you yeah <laughs> what so was there can you recall a moment where that speech ran through your head and helped you make a decision as to what direction to go or what to do oh man uh no, I mean, it, it. it's always been kind of, I mean, there's never been like an inspirational quote that I heard that, well, I take that back actually. More recently in my life, believe it or not, I just stumbled on this video of The Rock giving a speech to the LA Lakers. Um, it was a recent video? It was a recent video, yeah. And he just said something about nobody's going to outwork me. That was the thing he always would used to tell himself. So when he would kind of... And first of all, I was, I was never big re big on wrestling. I didn't really know much about his wrestling career or much about his acting career, but I was always kind of fascinated and in awe at the fact that he had gone from being this guy on the WWE or his WWF then. Yeah, I don't remember one of those. And he was a schlubby looking like he yeah. wasn't in he wasn't he wasn't ripped. He's not the rock that we Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't ripped. He <laughs> no. was the bad guy apparently, right? right? Yep. And I don't know if he was if how po I don't know how popular he really was. Maybe he was very popular, but but to take to go from that and and to where he's at now, right? To me was really amazing, you know. And and the, and uh, he just had mentioned that you know, a lot of times he always feels like he operates from being back. He he operates from the wall or something like that, where he feels like no matter all all the things that I have to do, I always feel like I'm up against the wall. That's how I operate, as in like. No one's gonna outwork me. No one's. I don't have anything to fall back on. This is the. This is the thing for me. Nobody's gonna be. Uh, nobody's gonna have a stronger work ethic than I. Than I. Than I will. And he. And he also thinks about uh, how bad life used to be, which I should actually probably start doing more. You know, just try to really remember how bad things used to be, and maybe that'll. I'm not. I'm not saying that I'm having a hard time. I do have a hard time here and there getting inspired to do things. It's not easy. You know, just to get up and be like, okay, today's another day where I'm going to go do, I have a million things I'm going to do, and I'm going to get five of them done, and then it's just going to add on to my pile of other things that I have to do, but you just keep doing it, you know? It's like, um, there is always a new day the next day. What got you out of bed this morning? Uh, well, when is this going to air? Uh, probably in the next week. Okay. Maybe Monday. I'm trying to get ready for something uh, important to me. I'll tell you after the podcast. Because uh, if it comes out in a week, I don't want it to be out there. Uh, 
and it's what's getting me that's get what's getting me up in the morning to go and take my health seriously up in the gym my legs are sore as fuck because i i uh i trained them the other day and it reminds me it's it's reminding me how little i've been training because usually i don't get sore ever but my legs are sore as fuck and you didn't even do like an ext- an, uh, an extreme workout or just a little workout. Yeah, like, I mean, it, it, yeah. it was it was a lot. Mm-hmm. It was a lot. But still, it's like, you know, even if I hit, I, I can hit my chest really hard and still I won't be sore. Yeah, because, you know, like, like you said, I've known you since 2000, about six. Yeah, right? yeah. And uh, you, like myself, our weight has fluctuated yeah, yeah, a yeah. lot. Um. Where are you at now with your weight? Is it is it fluctuating? Are you are you? I know I'm you said down. you're getting you're getting in yeah, shape yeah, yeah. for something. I'm coming. I'm coming down. I was. Uh, I'm getting back in shape now. What what um, before that? Why was the weight going up or what was going on? Just like the amount of responsibility and things that I had going on, it's really hard to kind of like taking care of yourself. You know, going to the gym and eating right and all those things. That's a job. Right. That's that's a whole other. I mean, I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm huge on analogies. So, like, the analogy that I have for that is I always imagine all the things that I do in my life as being, like, these little plants, right? So, if I have, uh, if I have my health and fitness that's, and, and, and my diet, that's one plant. If I have my comedy, that's one plant. If I have my directing gigs, one plant. My family, one plant. Let's even put my family, my girlfriend in, in that same plant. Those things, right? So how many have I mentioned? Like four? It's like four or five. Four yeah. or five plants. I'm only one... Uh, I'm only one... Uh, for, for condi- gardener, ca- for farmer that can water the... You I'm know, only the one container of water. Right. Right? Got you. I am... I'm, I'm only... I can only hold so much water. So evenly distributed, I can only be 25% of myself in each one of these. That's, that's evenly distributed. 25% of my potential is in these things. For me to, let's say, take away... To put like eighty percent of my potential into my comedy, it's got to come away. It's got to be taken away from somewhere else. You know what I mean? And so for me, like I had put so much into my, you know, my work and then my 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 family stuff that my health and fitness was kind of my just my body was was kind of taking a hit. Can can I uh, put a tweak on your analogy? Yeah, yeah, yeah please. I think a lot of people uh, view their life like this. Like, if I have four things and I'm giving 25% to each one, uh, the as you said, plant, what came to my mind was a garden, right? Uh-huh. And the reason why I like the garden analogy, right? You can still have your flowers out there in a the garden, right? Mm-hmm. And say you can only pour 25% into uh, each right, uh, right, right. Uh, each plant. <clears throat> because it's a garden, it means it's outside, right? So that means that part of those plants growing isn't just on me. Mm-hmm. It's also uh, nature, Wa- rain, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the sun, um, the people in the neighborhood... You have those neighborhood gardens where the neighbors come by and they take care of the plants and help it grow, right? Right, right. And I think if you think about your life in terms of it being a garden, then you realize that you don't have to do all the work. You Actually, have to that, do that, that's a really good analogy, right? Like that. yeah, Some yeah. of the work, yeah, yeah, but yeah. N- 
They're, no, like, it's just like your girl. Like, you don't have to do everything for your girl. You have to give 100% to your girlfriend. Sure, no. She has other things feeding her, right, right, hopefully. Right, right, right. Right? Like, That's even true. with your comedy, you, you don't have to do everything for comedy. Just the fact that you sat down for a few minutes, uh-huh. right, to think about a joke or to tweak a joke. Now, as you go through your day and you read something or you talk to someone, they're going to be feeding ideas on a subconscious level. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. So, but, so our job really is to plant the seeds and, yes, to water it, right? But we don't have to give, like, <laughs> I think of, like, uh, I had a cactus. Yeah. And I had the whole mentality of give it 100%. Right, so right. So I'm watering my cactus every day. Without even looking up anything about cacti. You know what I mean? And it died. And it died in a week. <laughs> so there there are things in our life no, I, that I we're giving so much to that we haven't even taken a moment to ask, does it need this much? Right, right, right. Do I need to sit down and write for eight hours? Do I need to, you know, hang out with my family for uh, you know like right. all these different things? We haven't asked ourselves, maybe, like, what is it? Does it need? Maybe it only needs 10%. That I have a plant right now. Mm-hmm. It only needs to be watered once a week. Any more than that. What, I give it any more love than that. Well, it what, dies. What, what's her name? It's a, uh, uh, a, it's a, I think it's a succulent. I have no idea uh-huh. what, the, what the plant You said, what's her name? I haven't even named her yet. I've dropped her three times. She's gonna. She's not even going to die from not from a lack of water because I just keep dropping her. I'm not, I'm not great with plants, uh, which is why I don't have kids. But, um, but yeah, but I think that, um, you want to have kids. I'm not against it. Yeah. Um, I love kids yeah, and yeah, kids yeah. love me, man. When I'm on a plane, yeah, I was on a plane, uh, uh, not long ago. And this lady sitting cat a corner from me had a baby and I was sitting in an aisle seat and they were in an aisle seat. And the baby just could not stop trying to reach out for me. And to the point where the mom <laughs> was getting upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just, I'm, I'm having fun with it. Even when I, I tried to ignore the baby, the baby was like, nope. You, you, can't, you can't avoid these little baby blue yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I can't. I can't. I was like, come <laughs> on, man. I was like, let me have this baby. I want to take that baby. I understood. Yeah. At that moment, I understood women. Uh, and who just steal babies out of? Yeah, yeah. You know, I was just like, this baby is adorable, man. But yeah, it's like I don't. It's funny because like I don't have dogs, I don't have kids, but I dogs dog. love me. Kids love me. So I'm not against it. I'm not. Yeah. But I want nanny money. You know what I'm saying? Nanny money. I want nanny. Money. Oh yeah, of course. Like yeah, if yeah, I don't course. have nanny money. Yeah, if you don't. I love sleep too much. I understand working hard, yeah, but you, I got to sleep. Yeah, you need a nanny. I mean, look, it, it, I, I don't even, I don't think that the the concept of the nanny is like a, a new thing. I mean, or I don't. I don't it I, used to be grandma. It used to be grandma. It exactly. It used to be grandma. Thank you. Thank you. It used to be grandma. But now we don't, we don't like grandma. We put grandma in a nursing home. <laughs> I mean, I, I wish that wasn't the case for me. Uh, it sucks. So why <sighs> do you want kids? Of course. Yeah. How, how many kids do you want? Just two. I don't want more than two. You don't need more than two. One is great. Two is good. Three yeah. is uh, going to jail. Yeah. That's 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 trouble two's, right two's there. Two's all I want. Just with a little bit of time in between them. Yeah, I think it'd be great. 
But that's great. So let's go back to your inner 20s and you go yeah, to yeah, therapy. Because yeah. I know the listeners are like, what did he learn? What what was it? Uh, God, what did I learn? And, uh, how long were you in there for? A week? A month? Oh, no. A couple I was, months? A year? Therapy really started working when I went there because I needed it. Because I, I, I made the decision that I needed it. Um, second, because I was going once, sometimes twice a week. Um, start off my week and then I would cap it off. Uh, what did I learn? I learned not to over. You know, I th- I think I think some of the things I took away from it was that I tend to overthink things. Uh, you know, I uh, I would operate so much on this perceived idea as to what things you know as as to like what somebody might think when I I had no idea what they were thinking. Things like that. I mean, it was just really just, it was basically because I had just gotten out of a relationship and I didn't want to go through this breakup the way I had, I had gone through it before. And I wanted to kind of, I wanted to heal um, rather than become, you know, a little bit more of a, because I was progressively becoming kind of like not really caring about uh, if I hurt someone's feelings or not, you know. You're becoming hardened. <coughs> you could feel it, yeah. I was 100% becoming hardened. Yeah. I remember a girl, like I dated her and, she seemed to, you know, really, really like me. And I could, and I just remember thinking, why am I not feeling anything? She's got, she's, there's everything that I would be looking for in a, in a partner. But I just had no, I had, I was completely numb. And I, and I was like, is this, is what, is this the thing that I've been thinking is going to happen is happening? Am I becoming this hardened? And I was. And so I started, you know, I started going to therapy. And what did the therapist do that, like, uh, you know, because there's cognitive behavioral, there's Freudian, there's tell me about your parents. Like, what what allowed you to connect with this? What was her um, or it, his modality? It was psychotherapy, but she uh, she did have some cognitive behavioral kind of style to her mm-hmm. where she would kind of call me out on something and kind of give me some tools to remember for when I would do the thing again. Like what? I can't remember. Like, is there anything that, because you're in a relationship now. Uh-huh. How long girl, How long have you two been together? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. And then are, are there things from your therapy or just from the work that you, because how old are you? Uh, late thirties, thirty-seven. Late thir- thirty-seven. <laughs> I forget, ho- man. I for- Hollywood ends. I know, I know, but I do forget. <laughs> I forget sometimes. I'm like, because I, it's really just based on the year. I have to remember what year it is, and then I kind of go back. Well, I, you know what? That's something about LA keeps you feeling young. It makes me like I, I'm. I like, feel I'm, old as fuck. Really? Yeah. I'm forty-three, man, and I I swear to God, I feel like old. I I I feel like uh I'm 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 ready to um. Just like play red light, green light, Monopoly. Uh-huh. Like I like. No, I like I like doing <laughs> I like doing like all kinds of like young kid shit all the time. You know, like uh, I don't play video games. I don't know if I ever really was a big gamer to yeah, begin me with. Either. Right. But I love going to the movies. I love fucking. Love it. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things to do. I think I'm so sad that people aren't going as often as they should be. And the other thing too is for me, like this phone is a nightmare, man. Like I can't watch movies at the house without looking at the stupid phone so i have to go to the theater so i so i have to like put the thing away it's, i'm just that's you know what it's why i go to the movies and it's why i go hiking oh, like no reception i have to put myself in, in 
I, I distract so easily. I have to put myself in completely immersive experiences. I I deleted so I, I I deleted uh, Safari off my phone. Oh really? I have no way of searching the internet. What about the? Uh, so you don't even have Google? No, I don't have Google. So you have to go to your computer to yeah to, if, if you want to look something up. And then and and what that did for me was it allowed me to, I I would ask myself. Is this the, is it how important is this thing that I need to Google? So if it was that important, then I would go out of my way to go find my laptop and go Google this one thing, right. rather than just having it at my hands because it's a, it's a huge time suck. Absolutely. I remember waking up in the mornings. I used to be able to get up in the morning. Literally, the first thing I would do, I wouldn't even brush my teeth. I'd take some gum, some some uh, uh, minty gum, put it in my my mouth, shoes, and I'd go straight to the gym every morning. That's that was my routine. You used to do that like like clockwork, and then uh, and then I got a laptop, <laughs> and then that was like slowed me down a little bit, and then and then all of a sudden the iPhone came out, and yeah. I had known the iPhone was coming out. The last minute feature was like, oh, and you can search the web, and I was like, you can. I was like, that's weird, and then just like searching the web on your phone, nighttime and in the mornings, I was on I was on the internet, just like looking at shit, researching stuff. Wikipedia rabbit hole. It's just like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, I, I've been late to so many meetings because I've been trying to pull up a, a playlist on my Spotify. I'm like, like I get in my car. I don't want to go anywhere until I got yeah. my song. I'm like, I got to either have my podcast or my audio. And it's like, I didn't. And I go, I didn't need this before. Sure. No, you I didn't. didn't need any. I just no. would go. <laughs> it's adding so much time. Yeah, it is. And you're like, it's just a minute. But those minutes over your lifetime add up. And it takes up that mental bandwidth that we need as creative people. Sure. To generate the, you know, the next big idea. You know, we, we have to, it interrupts our flow. Yeah. So to speak. But I'm, but I, I recently deleted the internet or the uh, Safari? Safari off my That's phone. That's genius. And it's, and it's helped me out. I'm, I'm able to, get, I've been going to the gym now. Uh, I get up at 6.37. Yep. I'm in there by 8. Um, but uh, now what I'm trying to incorporate back in is when I used to stretch. Uh, I, I didn't stretch as much, but I, want, I need to stretch more now. Uh, and when I used to journal, I used to journal first thing in the morning. Yeah, I, actually, I did that um, yesterday morning, like journaled. Um, like, do you do the, the morning pages? Uh-huh. Yep. Do you do three pages or you just do like three just pages. whatever? It feels great. It does. It feels great. It also allows me to kind of see, maybe I'm doing it the wrong way by doing it this way, but I would also see like all the shit that was on my mind that I needed to get done. And then I would I would highlight things there and then write them down on a list of things that I like a to-do. Uh, I don't know if you're supposed to do that. Well, I mean, it's, it's your morning pages, right? That's true. The way I do it is uh, I just... So morning pages, for the listeners who don't know, is basically where you just wake up and, and you crank out three pages. At free, like, you don't think about it. You're just scribbling first thing in the morning, whatever is at the top of your mind. It could be the same word or sentence over and over again. It doesn't have to even make sense. Uh, don't worry about the grammar or spelling, anything like that. You're just writing for three pages, and then you're done. Uh, but what I do is after I write those three pages, I ball it up and throw it in the trash. Because that's literally the, my intent. I want to get the trash out of my brain mm-hmm. onto paper and throw it away. I used to do that too, actually. I used to do that too. Yeah. So, you, all right, because we're, we're at your place. 
Yeah. You got a great place. Oh, thanks, man. You're doing well for yourself, right? How right. are you supporting yourself right now? Is it through stand-up? Is it yeah. through the stuff no. that you st- you sold or what? Yeah, it's, it's mainly, mainly the, the the directing gigs, the, okay. the specials that I've directed. Right. And then, um, you know, Goatface. And then uh, I just finished an acting gig. So that was pretty good. What, uh, what specials have you directed? I did... Uh, Ian Edwards. Right. I did Tom Tom Arnold's last one. I did um, Eric Griffin's last one. Wow. I did um, Fahim's. Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah. The growing up with the childhood that you had, right? Yeah. Fathers in jail. Moms in a chair. Not the electric chair. That's not yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Right. What? At what? When did you develop the <coughs> result? Like, what did you make a decision of? Like, because you could have easily have like, and I know, I understand you had behavioral problems. Sure. You could have easily, like, used that as an excuse to completely go off the rails. Uh-huh. And I'm sure at some points you did, but you know there were things that brought you back. What is it that kept you? early on that that kind of kept you level that brought you back to zero what do you mean meaning like there i I remember there was one time i wanted to quit my job when i was in high school right i hated my boss and uh i remember telling my mom i want to quit and then i remember the look in her face of like we need the money Uh uh-huh so I kept the job. So I, I was kind of driven by, as a kid, I was driven by one realizing, it's kind of like The Rock. Like, anything that I want, I'm going to have to work for myself. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to give it to I can't count on anybody. Right. Right. It's like my mom's telling me I need to work, so I, I basically can't count on my mom to give me anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, two, it was... Uh, recognizing early on that working for someone else did not equal job security. Because my mom, she got laid off after like 23 years of, mm. of working. Right, right. So as a kid, I just remember, I remember like when I was nine, like I have to, like I have to find a way to make my own money and uh, I got to do it myself, which is a great mentality to have that independent entrepreneurial spirit. But then it it thwarted me because I never asked for help. I'm just now starting to ask for help. Right. But before I, I was I was the do, same way. I was trying to do everything on my own. And I, I, I was, was ashamed. I, I was the same way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot changed for me when I started asking for help. Uh, how, can you explain that? Because uh, so many people who are afraid to ask for help. Um, you know, like a, a a comic friend of mine a long time ago said a closed mouth never never gets fed. And I was like yeah, I guess you're right. And then I just kind of slowly saw his career get better and better and better. Um, and I was like, maybe maybe he's right. you know. And, and everybody that I've ever known in this industry, um, and this may be sa- the same for other industries as well, but specifically ours, uh, the people who do move up are the ones that ask for the help. That 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 are not afraid to like you know. There's no discount in your ability to be that artist by saying, "Hey, can you help me with this thing?" or like getting other people to do things for you. I mean, it's just not really. You're 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 managing a big 
company, which is yourself. So who the fuck runs a company by their, by themselves? That's a dumb thing to do. It, I, I'm, I'm watching this uh, this documentary on Netflix. It's about this girl who, a woman who swims the seven channels or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And some of them are 22 miles, some are 15. She's getting stung by jellyfish, oh, wow. like like you know, and all this stuff. And when she f- completes the seventh one, which is the hard- hardest one, it's uh, uh, I forget where it is. She and they pull her into the boat. Uh, she's like, I couldn't have done this without any of you, you know. And but the people on the boat are like, you did this all yourself, right? Right. And it's ridiculous that we have that mentality of like. We nobody wants to say yes. We did this. Right. We, we did this. We're a team. Right, right. We accomplished this. There's so much of I and you. Right. That I think that's why a lot of people don't ask for help because you know the rock. You know, it's like it goes back to the rock. I work hard. I'm the hardest working person. But but he asks for help. But 100%. he a hundred percent. The people on his team have to work hard too in order to get him those opportunities. Yeah. So it's it's like, but we don't hear him say, we work, my team. It's like, right. you know, I show up, I'm in the gym, you know, this right, is what right. I, and it's like, come on, man. Somebody brought you your meals, somebody, sure. boom, boom. But yeah, they're rallying around you and and you have to do the work. But it's, you know, I uh, and I may have mentioned this, Tom Brady, who's one of the most winningest quarterbacks in the NFL mm-hmm. um, has like five or six Super Bowl rings is the 10th highest paid player. And the reason is he'd rather take a pay cut so that there's more money to buy great players. See, that's right. Yeah. Right. Then it's like, why give it all? Why give all the money to one person? Who's who's the top, who's the top paid? Number one paid? Somebody who hasn't won a Super Bowl ring. I don't know who it is, okay. but um, but you know, I, I should Google that. I want to say, <laughs> I took it off my phone already. Yeah, uh, I want to say probably the the, the Russell uh, Russell Wilson, probably. Okay, or or um, uh, the uh, Ben Rafa's, you know, one of those guys who who have come close. Yeah, but uh, but but it's like always to be like, man, I'm here because of my team. We're yeah. here. We got this, you know. How asking for help um, when you say it's helped you? Can you can you give us like an example of like when you you were like, oh, I don't want to ask, but yeah, I mean, like um, simply wanting to get booked on a show, for example. You know, like I used to think, uh, well. If they want me, they'll reach out to me. Yeah. Or that kind of nonsense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, and I know some people who operate from that from that place now, and they don't really do. You know what I mean? It's not. There's 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 something inherent with asking for help that starts informing all your other actions. So for me, like you know, just just simply asking to be put on a show uh, allowed me to start feeling more confident about asking for other things. Uh, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's 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 definitely one. You know, like, the out of sight, out of mind, and I, I, I don't want to make this podcast strictly about this industry that we, we we're both in, but out of sight, out of mind is so powerful. People in this industry, they're so inundated with all these different, all, everybody's 
trying to like, you know, there's a billion things that they, a person has to do, like my agent or my manager. Sometimes I have to ask them to say, hey, there's this thing I want to go out for. Can you get me in for that? Rather than sitting and waiting for the audition. You know what I mean? For me, it's just kind of like, if I'm not in their ear or if I'm not, if I'm not asking to be booked on the show, if I'm not, then out of sight, out of mind. It's very, very powerful here. You, you know, what's powerful about that is it's the same thing in relationships, right? <clears throat> yeah. A lot of times we get upset when uh, the person that we're with uh, doesn't meet our needs or address our needs or our expectations or how could you forget this? And it's like there are a million things vying for your attention, your cell phone, the billboards, phone calls, work. Right. And yes, you're an important part of their life. But it's it's hard to be like, hey, what was that thing that you said right, you right, needed, right. wanted? And if you're not specific, right, and mm-hmm. you, you're not focused, and what I mean by focus is sometimes we ask for 10 things at once, and it's like, all right, if you want 10 things, that makes me feel like none of those things are important. Right. Whereas if you go this one thing, and then you follow up, did you do that one thing, and right, you know, right. so on and so forth, you're with your girl for two and a half years. Yes. You've been to therapy. Uh, what are some of the things that you've done that's helped you to sustain this relationship? Um, are there communication things? Are there... Yeah, I mean, we communicate. I mean... What does that mean? I think I... Think I this relationship was... Uh, I don't know. I'm really lucky to be in the relationship that I'm in now. Everything's so easy for us. Um, We have our difficult moments, don't get me wrong, but they're not like compared to the other difficult moments I've had in past relationships. I think the other thing too is like, I, I decided to love her because of who she is rather than like, does that make sense? Like, uh, because I know at the end of the day, like the personality, the the that that the, the, that person's soul, that's the person that you kind of stuck with, right? Because if because uh, we none of, we don't all stay beautiful and young, we get old, we get you know. So my selection was, I guess, a little bit more uh, evolved, you know, rather than just kind of like, you know, I I, I I wanted I wanted to find somebody that I emotionally and and like just our chemistry really. Uh, really matched and because t- to me like and i wouldn't compromise with that if the chemistry was wrong i didn't care who the i don't care how attracted i was to the person if the chemistry was wrong that's it i i was waiting for somebody where the chemistry was right and so that was more important because at the end of the day that's what you're stuck with right you know right you're so true because i, I th- because sometimes what we're attracted to isn't what's best for us. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, right. I'm, a, I'm attracted to going to Bali, but I don't really need to go to Bali. Right, right. Like it, it's going to do nothing for me. You know, I'm going to get there, I'm going to be bored. Like, right, right. It looked beautiful. The you, sandy you, you've never gone? I've never gone, but I've been, to, to me, you've been to one Caribbean place, you've been to all Caribbean places. Yeah, Bali is a little different. You should check it out. <laughs> I hear that from people when I say that. They go, no, 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 no. But ba- ba- Bali. Bali is interesting. But go there, go there with like, <laughs> I've been there, it's nice. Uh, I wouldn't mind going back, but I would go back now. It's, I always feel like your second trip to a place is always the best because you went there, 
you realize what you should have done or shouldn't have done, what you wasted mm-hmm. your money on, what's a really good deal. Second time, you're just like, I've learned my lessons. Now I know how to really vacation here. Got you. You know what I mean? You know what? You, that's that's inspired me because I've been to Thailand and I had a I had a really good time in Thailand. <coughs> but I was like, after I left, I was like, oh, I could have had a great time in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now I want to go back and get my revenge there and uh, and go back to Belize now as an adult on my own and uh, check that out. That's where my mom uh, is from. The oh, your mom's from Belize. My mom's from Belize. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, I forget. There's another comic who is. Oh, I think I think Chris Spencer is uh, is from Belize, right there. Oh, interesting. The <clears throat> so where you are now? Yeah, where I'm at. Um, and and you got your girl, the career. You're still you're working on it. You I've got, got your, I've got books everywhere. You have a million. What are you reading right now? Oh, what am I reading? Now, none, of, none of those books. No. <laughs> reading none of those books. None of those books. You even have a bunch of art. Uh, but what was the last book you've read? Or you do audio books. What's uh, your thing? I do audio books now, to be honest, to be really honest. Uh, where are my glasses so I can see what's over there? Uh, I read audio books now because I just don't have time for anything else. But the last book I read, read... Uh, you are not your brain. You got the love languages. If you want a book, if you want a book recommendation for how to how to decipher whether or not your uh, your anxiety is real or if it's if it's uh, if it's completely fabricated by your you know you are not your brain is one of those is a great book. Uh, I think the last book I read is not even here. Oh. Uh, maybe say maybe uh, let's see where is that. I think the last book I read was The Tender Bar. Oh, I've heard great things about that book. Yeah, it's a really good book. Is it a great book or just a really good book? No, it's really... I mean, it speaks to me because it was very much about the single parent kid, uh, you know, who uh, who starts hanging out at this bar because of all the male influence that's there. Oh, did, oh. yeah. All right, so I'm going to put a link to both of those, The Tender Bar and You Are Not Your Brain in the show notes. Um, yeah, You Are Not Your Brain is a great book. It's a fantastic book. Uh, do you meditate at all? I don't, but I'm trying to. What does that mean, trying to? Like, I try to I try to meditate. I, it's hard for me to just uh, kind of put put aside the time to sit, da- sit there and meditate. How much time do you need? You know, it's like 30 minutes. Do you need 30 minutes? I don't know. It goes do back you? to water the, watering the plants. Maybe. Do, what is it, 10 minutes? What about a minute? I mean, I don't know. Sure, I can try to do a minute. I mean, I think I do a minute all the time. Uh, I did the whole transcendental meditation class. Oh wow, that's yeah, yeah. So that's intense. I don't know. It's it's it's, it's it. It was very easy, and I'm part of the thing now. I can go back anytime I want. Maybe I should because I remember. I actually, be honest with you, I never I never really believed that this could somehow open up any kind of like uh, uh, pathways to like you know more creative thought than i was than than i was already having and i remember i was starting to i was doing it and i just i wrote a little short film i hadn't written a short in a long ass time but i was like i couldn't believe that i did it i was going on a lot of walks too walking actually helps me a lot to kind of like come up with ideas and clear meditate. clear your brain clear your thoughts i don't know there's something about walking and then coming up with ideas there's something there's there's some kind of connective tissue between the two steve jobs said that in his book he would call them oh, really? thought walks 
in, oh, in his biography. Huh. Yeah, that was his whole thing. He was like, uh, he would sit down and do a little work, and then every day he'd have to, he had to go for a walk to right. clear his uh, his brain out. Um, to wrap it up, maybe I should do. I should start doing that again. Yeah, man. That, those. I mean, you're right here by Griffith Park. What, what's over I, here? I know, right? How far are you from Griffith? Griffith. Uh, it's like a five minute drive. Oh my! Are you kidding me? Dude, yeah, it's right there. You got yeah, you got, and then you got your girl. Take your girl out there, you know. I mean, I have a dog. I walk with her. I should walk with her more. Do you have a shoe in the case? I do. Yeah. What shoe is that? Tell me, it's signed, and it's just not a random that, shoe. That's a shoe from uh, the special. The 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 coat face. The, oh. The dope. yeah, the one hour special. Wow. It was a, it was a shoe made for the one of the sketches. So. All right, all right, all right. I just haven't had a place to find a place to put it. That's my mom in the picture frame. Oh, that's your mom? That's my mom. Oh, she's beautiful, dude. Oh, thanks, man. Um, I appreciate you doing the podcast. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I always feel like there's somebody who's listening who might be on a precipice of... Are you you in therapy right now? No, I I should be. I'd like to be. It's a time thing, though, you know, as usual. Um, I always feel like there's somebody who's listening who is on a precipice of taking her life for whatever reason. Uh-huh. Uh, and before you kill yourself, what would you say to that person? I mean, because I've been there before, you know, I feel like when you feel like you want to end your life, it's because you feel like you have nowhere, nowhere else to turn. You have no... You're in a corner, and all the all the uh, potential choices feel like they're all going to lead to a dead end, and they're a dead end that you don't want to deal with. They're a dead end that you feel like you can't you can't take those uh, you can't take the consequences of the of that path. And uh, to that, I could say. The, the sun will always rise again. I know that because I've been there before. The, 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 this too shall pass. You know, the things that I've gone through in my life, uh, are, are, I haven't gotten into all, I, I'm not super comfortable talking about all of it, but I've been through so much where when I look back, I could see all the moments in my life where I didn't want to be around anymore. And I just realized I I somehow made it past that. I got past it. You know? And that too shall pass. The, f- the first time, do you remember the first time that the, the, the thought or feeling of taking your life? Uh, uh, the first time, the first real time, yeah, I remember. And what got you, how did you handle that? How did you get through that? <laughs> You know, I don't know. I think I think uh I had I had a couple friends that I I felt like were really kind of around for me. Um that allowed me to kind of forget about the bad feelings that I was having by by having good times with me. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, I think friends are really, really important in that sense. And they don't even have to be good friends. Just just friends that are, 
Friends, it could be strangers at a bar. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be like your worst friend who comes to your house and eats all your food. It doesn't have to be a good friend. Um, you know, like just being around other people and just kind of like, um, you know, uh, I remember, I just remember getting through that one moment in my life. And then you look back and you're just like, wow, I, I can't believe that I really wanted to just kind of disappear because of that one thing, you know, just those moments will pass. The moment will pass. You know, you just have to kind of, I'm not asking to stick, stick through it. I definitely think if you are feeling like you are suicidal, there are definitely places you can, people you can talk to who will talk to you like right now over the phone. Right. Right. You know what I mean? The 1-800-S-U-I-C-I-D-E number. Yeah. Uh, I've called. 1-800-TALK. You've I've, called? I've called for sure. How many times have you? Have I called? Maybe three times that I can remember in my life I've called. I've called twice. Called yeah. twice. Um, and you found it uh, helpful, obviously. I remember calling once and then talking to him. And then uh, while I was talking to him, I could hear other people picking up the phone being like, you know, suicide hotline. Uh and I, and, I, and it hit me then was like, I'm not alone. Wow. I'm not alone. I'm not the only one who has this, you know, because that's the one of the things that would really put me in a dark place is when I felt like I'm alone in this. There's nobody else who's feeling what I'm feeling. But I just remember talking to the guy and like while he was talking to me, I would hear the ringing of other uh, operators from you know other I don't know how those places look in real life because I've never been to one I just know what they're like over the phone just hearing other people picking up the phone suicide hotline and other people kind of like talk is like uh -huh, I understand you know like and just realizing that I'm not alone wow and then that's kind of like that helped me a lot that is you know when I've called <laughs> so here's what's funny yeah when I called yeah. and I heard the other I was like can we get a room, please? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm having a crisis. I don't yeah, need yeah, all yeah, this yeah, noise yeah, in the yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so hilarious, dude. We had two completely different takes <laughs> on it. But, but that also goes back to what you're saying earlier in that, um, you know, when you get to the place where you feel like there aren't options, right? Yes. In that book, The Creative Curve, I was talking about, they talked about divergent thinking. Uh-huh. And one of the examples they'll give is like, they'll be like, how many uses does a, a, a blow dryer have? Sure. And some people will come up with five, some people come up with 20, but some people come up with hundreds. Sure. And, and it's the same thing of like, whatever situation you're in, you feel like you have maybe zero options or three options or, or maybe you have 10, but they're all seem like they're crap. They're... Are, there are so many other options, yes. but that's the importance of talking to other people so that you can explore what those options are. But but I would just say this too before cool. you end this is is the thinking of that there is this perfect answer that's going to solve the problem and get you out of the maze is 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 in of itself the problem because that answer doesn't exist. Every problem has a consequence that we have to deal with. Some of them are bigger consequences, some of them are smaller consequences. But that's that's the nature of of making a choice. And so 
the idea is that the, the idea that there are choices that you can make that are completely without consequence is that in and it of itself is very dangerous thinking because the moment you make the choice that has the consequence, you're like, I can't deal with this thing. So you have to know that, uh, that you're going to have to deal with this, whatever choice you make, it's going to have the pendulum will swing back the other way, but you just know that that pendulum is coming back and how to handle that when it comes back to you. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, and, because we both are right and, and are, are, we both are writers and uh, we've written scripts. It's the idea that for every time a main character solves a problem, right. a new one arises right, right, right. based off that last right. uh, solution. Because that's just life. Right. Life doesn't, <laughs> right. whether, it's gonna, whether it's an environmental problem, whether it's a social problem or uh, political or familial or uh, a health Yes. Something else, you know, I moved to Bali, that's great. Oh, but then there a civil war breaks out in Bali. So right, now right, I got right. it. <laughs> it's just and no, there's there's nothing on this planet. And I and I would I would encourage anybody to like, you know, uh send Leo a message or whatnot. There's nothing in this planet that that anything that's considered beautiful or 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 very uh or strong or or powerful, it never came from a struggle free environment everything even if you want to if you even if you want to dilute it down to something like fitness this it the uh all of that comes from a struggle you know the the putting all that damn you know like when you're creating uh uh, um trauma to your muscles you know what i mean it's it you you're basically the moment you create that trauma you're giving it opportunity to grow and become stronger and so that's pretty much everything else too you know like all the trauma that you face mentally uh emotionally that is an opportunity for you to get stronger. Um, and there's a lot of really cool things in life, you know, like... Your guitar. I see your guitar in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Melissa Villasenor gave me that guitar. She did? Yeah, she's one of the sweetest people sweetest on the planet. Sweetest on the planet. On the planet. For what? Uh, I, I, can't, I think we were working on something, and, and like, uh, I can't remember. And, and I was playing the guitar, and I hadn't played in forever. And it was all. I was picking it back up again. She's like, "Oh, yeah, th- you're pretty good," or something. I can't remember what she said, but she goes, "You, you should have it." I'm like, "What?" Because yeah, just take it. And I'm like, "Why do you want me to have it?" She's like, "I never use it. You're playing it. You're enjoying it. Take it." <laughs> she's she's just, this is how she is, man. She's just such a sweet, sweet person. You're yeah. gonna find out there's like drugs stashed in it. Right. She's gonna come back. Where's that guitar? Where's that guitar? <laughs> No, she's she's great. <laughs> she's great. She's on SNL. She's on SNL, uh, yeah. She's so fantastic. Uh, Aristotle, thank you. Thank you. A theorist. Thank you. Yes. Flowers. Uh, for uh you know, I and I I I, I was so particular because I've known Hassan Minhaj uh-huh. for so long. Yes, yes. And I've been pr- mispronouncing his name for so long. What have you been saying? Hassan Minaj, like what everybody I mean, else. Has I mean, been saying. I mean, but that's what he he says Hassan Minaj too. But then I saw him roast Ellen. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was like, holy crap, Hassan. Yeah, <laughs> it's Hassan, but you know, like most of us say Hassan. Whatever, it's fine. I still say Hassan sometimes. Oh, do you? Yeah. Okay. I should say Hassan, <laughs> but Hassan always sounds like I'm mad at him. I Hassan, know, I know it sounds yeah. very uh, aggressive, right? Yeah, yeah, there. yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you all for tuning in and listening. Thank you for. Uh, uh, sharing 
for going on iTunes and, and rating it. That really helps out the podcast a lot. But uh, the biggest thank you is sharing it, and I love your messages. I, I continue. Actually, I want to read to you uh, a message really quickly, and then we will uh, end this. Oh, man, where is that message? No, no, that's not it. I should have had that. I mean, you can make up a message, can't you? I could make up a message. Make up one. All right. All right. Here it is. Uh, hi, Leo. I actually listen to Paul's podcast regularly. This episode was great. I actually struggled myself with complex PTSD from child physical and sexual abuse, and I recently tried to go off my anxiety meds, and it was not a good decision, so I had to go back on. I felt defeated, but also, hey, this is me, and I don't like who I am without this medication. I love listening to these podcasts. Makes me feel less alone. Thank you, and keep up the great work. See, the, it's the alone it's thing. The alone thing. The ringing of the phones. You're not alone. You're not alone. That will be the title of this podcast episode. You're not alone, uh, Aristotle. You are not alone. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and we will talk to you soon.